Hey everyone, this is That Guy in Hutch, Jason Probst, and you're listening to That Podcast in Hutch. Today I have uh, someone in, I'm really excited about this episode, and we'll see how it goes. It, I anticipate that this may be a long conversation, so this may be another one that we break into two parts. But today I have Katie Everett with me, and I just recently met Katie through a, a work associate, and as she was telling me her story, I thought, oh, this is incredibly fascinating and very compelling, and I think a good demonstration of, of some of the issues that maybe if we don't experience them, we don't know about. So today, I'm happy to have Katie on. Katie, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. So let's start with your work and, and, and what you do. You're, you're a stylist, and I don't know the right way to frame it. It's, what's the... What's the right word? We mostly now go by hairstylist. I mean, you hear beautician, cosmetologist. Um, the technical term is cosmetologist of what I do. Because okay. I am licensed to also do nails, hair, skin, but I don't do those. Um, I just do hair. So you just do hair? Just, so I go by hairstylist. Okay. <laughs> so how long have you been doing that? 17 years this year. Okay. Yeah. So you're, let me see, you're, you told me earlier you're 36? Yes. Is that right? Mm -hmm. So this is the career you went into pretty early, right? It is. It is. I originally uh, started trying to go into interior design slash green architecture. Um, I was ambitious. Um, forgot that I don't do math. And um, yeah. <laughs> so about six months into that. With, you are like, out. Yeah. And I uh, always thought about doing hair. Uh, I was a tomboy, so I just kind of kept that in the back of my head and never really mentioned it much. Um, and when it was mentioned, it kind of got shot down by those around me that wanted me to go to traditional school, all that stuff, um, trying to make that work. Did people think that this probably wasn't something you should do or Absolutely. that you wouldn't make much money in? Absolutely. Okay. I had lots of naysayers. I had supportive people too. Um, but yeah, and, and not that they were completely wrong, but I still, I was curious about it. It was somewhere I'd go to the salon with my mom and I would, I loved being there. It just felt like somewhere I belonged. Um, well, yeah. Talk to me a little bit about that. What, what made you, so you had people who said, don't do that. That's a, you know, not, you're not gonna make any money, right. whatever. Despite all of that, what made you want to do this? Well, I guess also coming from the little bit of like artistic architectural background, when I got into beauty school now mind you my whole life i thought i was just kind of a decent enough student i didn't um and much like you i listened to your podcast i was a doodler in school mm -hmm. i was i was the kid that was too social but was would get by from the teachers because i was likable um but besides that i just thought i was not good at school anyway so fast forward to beauty school and they did a uh, i went to the aveda institute in denver shout out the aveda institute is wonderful um and they did a, a learning type test and they were like, oh, you're a hands-on learner. I mean, this was back before anybody really even talked about that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. So uh, it was brand new to me. Anyway, so thankfully for them seeing that, no, you don't know how to use a curling iron or barely even a round brush, but there's something with you in the way that I, I appreciate colors, shapes, structures, um, it all, all of that clicked, made sense. And I loved the science behind it. And I love people. Um, I just truly love people. I hate saying that, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell me a little bit. Okay, so this is interesting because I, I have a friend and I need, I need to acknowledge her, Archer Jarrett. Yes. And yeah. she's kept my hair and shaped my beard for years. And she does a great job. Thank you. Shout out Archer. <laughs> Before that, I was one of these guys who was just, I'll go get my hair cut wherever, right? Sure. And then Archer did this and she shaped my hair to match the shape of my beard and shaped right. my beard to do all that. And I walked away from that thinking, oh my gosh. So this kind of plays into your 
you know, like you said, the architecture and the mm -hmm. shapes and the and kind of your artistic inclination. Absolutely. That that kind of plays into it, but then you actually get to do this with people, so it kind of combines these two passions, I guess Absolutely. you have, you know, your your love for people and your appreciation for aesthetics, I Absolutely. guess. Absolutely. That's that's spot on. That and um, I mean, yeah, I guess just in general, I love getting to know about people. I I can sit and people watch for hours, so getting to not just people watch, but people know. That's all other, like, I love it. Well, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording. Uh, you you talk about like the conversations that, that you have with clients in your chair, and you said something that I thought was great that you said, only the best people sit in my chair. That's right. Um, talk a little bit about that relationship between a stylist and a client. Oh, it's truly really unique. Um, it's... I mean, I think about how I've had so many clients tell me the holidays will roll around and this is when it really, really hits most of us as stylists, how much of a part we are in people's lives without even, we know it, but you don't realize it until it's live action like this. You know, people say, I couldn't wait to get you this gift. People, we are, we are in their family list usually for gifts. You know what I mean? Like it's one of the first thing for Christmas stuff. And that to me speaks volumes, I think, um, to just kind of say, and it's, it's usually a thought out gift. It's usually very personal. It's very, they know me and yeah. I know them. Um, yeah, it's a unique relationship in general that it's a safe place where there's no one else there that knows them. It's just me and them. So they can tell me anything they want. And I generally don't know the people they know. Um, so, I mean, they could tell me their deepest, darkest secret and I'm not, what do I care? Yeah. You know? I mean, I do care, but, but not in a judgmental type exactly, way, right? It's exactly. just, you're consuming what they have to say. And That's it's right. kind of like, and you kind of talked to me a little bit before too, about this, what I thought was a fascinating idea of somehow kind of blending uh, psychiatry with hairstyling I would love and, to see it. and see yeah. if there's something there where you could be there and you have somebody there and maybe their mind's not so focused on their issues, right. but they're sharing them with somebody that they feel safe with. And That's of course right. they feel safe because they come in and you do these things. It's yeah. a very, if you really break it down and step away from it, it's like, it's a very vulnerable very relationship, kind of right? Thing. Very intimate mm -hmm. because you're there you're putting your well-being in somebody else's hands. That's right. And they, it's a lot of trust. Yeah, a lot of trust there. A lot of trust. So yeah. it kind of makes sense. Uh, this I'll take a little bit of deviation, but you told me this in interesting thing that you had read about um, about the about this relationship that I, I wanted to make sure we touched on, which is about this uh, the, kind of the bonds that form between. Can you can you talk about that a little yeah, bit? Yeah, absolutely. It was actually um, it was at a it was through a class actually through Aveda years mm -hmm. ago. And um, it was the psychology behind hairdressing. And they went into specifically, there was a study done, uh, and by study, they did like a survey, mm -hmm. you know, and then kind of tried to find the actual psychology behind it. Um, that specifically for men, straight men, if they have, let's say they have a, you know, female hairdresser, um, it's something apparently in the brain, you know, that says this person's touching you, this person's being intimate with you for quite a long period of time. Um, and there's really not a lot of definition sometimes in our, I guess, this, mind you, I'm no scientist, uh, <laughs> uh, to know that definition between partner and, oh, this person's doing my hair. So they'll develop a little bit of more, a deeper connection almost. Mm -hmm. And they call it a crush, but it's not necessarily a crush. You know, like I, 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 I'm a firm believer. I don't think any of my male clients really see me that way. I think mm -hmm. they're comfortable with me and it can confuse, you know, in our brains, it can confuse comfort with attraction but psychologically <laughs> there's the, at least the possibility that you're you're there there's a lot of contact a lot of physical contact sure. um which we could get that'd be a whole nother episode about the people being starved for 
there's a, that too. Of, of, you know, any kind of affection or connection with people. Absolutely. Um, but also the trust. There's mm -hmm. trust there. I mean, you put yourself in, like we said, being vulnerable. You put yourself in somebody's care, and then when it's over, right. they're not harmed. And right. actually, their life is improved yeah, because feel, of that. Yeah, hopefully feel better. Yeah. 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 Um, so I, th I just thought that was incredibly oh. interesting that there's this... It is. The, the dynamics that that exist there. Yeah, I always say eventually one day if I ever had the money to go back to school, I'd love to go get a degree in psychology and, and do both, you know, and have say, hey, come get your hair because women are going to get their hair done no matter what. Well, yeah. everyone is, but yeah. specifically women. But they're probably not going to go to therapy as you know more. I don't know. They wouldn't be more drawn to go to therapy than they would to get their hair done. So it, why not do both? It probably feels a lot more intimidating to go to a therapist than it does to go exactly. to a stylist. But if you could combine those two, it'd be yep. kind of fascinating. And we're already kind of doing it. I mean, uh, for years now, you know, we've, we salons, we affiliate with domestic violence centers, things like that, you know, to kind of, because it is a safe place. So can yeah. you expand on that a little bit? So that you have a situation where if somebody's in your chair and they're talking to you about mm -hmm. The, their relationship you then do, do you kind of direct them towards resources or do you so there's several different ways salons do it when I was in when I was working in Denver um, we actually like we we had training on it we had signs in the bathroom you know the signs that'll say if you need help um, yeah so they just kind of tell you what to because we're sometimes the first to see it sometimes the only ones to see it unfortunately and I've only had to make that phone call once in my life um, but I'm grateful I did uh, yeah and like actually just this last week I've been at my salon for seven years and we've never made that connection. And just this last week, uh, we're going to work with the Willow Domestic Violence Center okay. in Lawrence. I'm very excited about that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, it, I had I had never even considered that before, but that makes perfect sense. Doesn't, I know. You would be the first uh, contact or Absolutely. the first person that somebody might be willing to say, talking about right. the psychology, talking about the relationship that's built very good likelihood that you're going to be the first person Absolutely. that's going to get even a hint that there's a problem. Yep. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, talk to me about, so probably most listeners like me, when we go in, it's for an hour at a time to sure. get done the thing that we're wanting to get done. That's right. Um, but on your side of things, what is your what is your work day like? I mean, I know that not everyone's going to be the same or even remotely the same, sure. but, but what's the day like? Um, yeah, so I'd say before my setback, my day would look a lot like, uh, I usually don't go in until about 10 a.m., uh, some stylists go in earlier. We open at eight or nine, depending on the day. Um, and I, because I have a young child, I've gotten my schedule where I never work past seven because um, we, we are open till eight. Um, we're open seven days a week, so I can work any of those days. Um, I have a limit of my schedule because I do a lot of men's cuts and I will not see more than 10 clients a day. We do not double book at our salon, which I'm thankful for. Um, it makes it so you can focus more and it's just, it's the only person that benefits from that is so, yeah, we can go into that later. <laughs> um, yeah, so I see on average, I'd say about five to six people a day, depending on the services. Um, some can be where I'll just see two people a day if it's two big color and cut services. Um, we don't, we try and book ourselves breaks and lunches, but you just kind of do that when you can. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, I guess that's my day. You know, I get into work, I set up, I look at my books. I can also view my books from my phone, which is really cool. Um, so yeah, I'm just kind of, Luckily, I can see who's going to be on my books that day, and typically at this point in my career, I know those people, so I can kind of say, "Oh, that's right, I saw Jack last week," and "Oh, he was going to go see his, you know, grandkids. I'm good. I better check in with him about how that went." Um, so yeah, those are kind of the things you do throughout your 
your beginning of your day. So you try to see five or six people a day. On average. How, ten is, is the it, limit. Ten is the <laughs> limit. Are, is it a, roughly about an hour a person? How, how do you factor the time well, on that? that? See, that's a tough one with the way, with the specialties that I do it, it's kind of hard to say. Mine are so polar opposite because I do men's cuts and color. Okay. So my color clients, some of those can take up to, like some I have some that are so high maintenance, it's a five hour service. Mm -hmm. um, and they bring snacks, books. I mean, we hang out all damn day. Yeah. So uh, I'd say it's hard to really average it out. It just really depends on the service. Because then my men's cuts are, you know, 40 minutes. Yeah. So. It's and I some days I'll I call it when I'm being barber Katie. I'm barber Katie and I'm just back to back men's cuts, you know. And, and you and can I just run that. through those, yeah. Right, right. exactly. Yeah. Um, I love that too. There's you know, it kind of depends. I like both kinds of days, but yeah, yeah. Um, is there a lot of work in between too? I mean, the, the hair cutting hair is not the only thing you do, right? I know from my experience with with Archer. There's uh, some prep work that goes into that, some sure. cleanup that happens after each oh, one. There's a lot of rules about. You can't just cut hair until the end of the day, right? And no. then clean up everything. There's oh, like no. rules about oh, no. disinfecting things <laughs> and cleaning up the yeah. hair and all of that in Did between. Did you hear that state board? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. We usually try, technically, what you should have between each service, no one really does, um, is about 15 minutes to sanitize. Uh, that being said, it does not mean we don't sanitize. It's just that's what you're supposed to have. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so you clean in between each client. Usually your next client's waiting. Yeah. So yeah, they're already sitting out there while right. you're right. So it's constant turnover. Day. If you're putting your cool, your tools, your combs, all your things in the barbicide, cycling through, getting out the other ones used for them because those have been in for the time to sanitize. So yes, it is a constant. We all like to joke that we make messes and clean them up all day. Yeah. And some um, and somewhere in there, you're also like scheduling new appointments and. Thankfully, um, as I am commissioned, I have front desk that is employed by my salon owner okay so i thankfully do not have to deal with much of that everyone's i mean I get, i'm close with my clients so clients will say hey i have this wedding to go to next week and can you squeeze me in and of course i don't mind that you know that they message me i would much rather them ask than not sure um so no thankfully i don't have to deal with front desk sometimes but not but not really. always yeah well, well talk to me you kind of you said you're commissioned mm -hmm. so talk, i've been curious how i know there are different ways that stylists make their money mm -hmm. um, but I think I, I'm not familiar with that altogether so tell me like the different ways that a stylist come out of come out of Aveda mm -hmm. or in Hutchinson we have a cosmetology college yeah. there um, I come out of that I'm looking to get into the industry in which ways am I gonna make money how do I structure that there's really only two paths to be totally honest when you boil it down there's doing independent stylists which would be that you are booth rental or or salon owner so that's just in, that goes under independent okay uh, I would say like salon owner is a whole nother category but if you're a salon owner and stylist to me that's you're still independent as a stylist okay. so you may own the salon but um, then there's to be commission-based so you're forfeiting a certain percentage of typically uh, the industry standard is that you should make about 60 to 65 percent most salon owners are gonna start you at 45 uh, which is unfortunate, but they can and they do, and they often don't increase that. So, um, yeah, those are your options pretty much. And for me, I know I'm not a numbers person. I know I want, when I'm off work, one of the things I love about what I do is I drop it at the door. Not necessarily emotional stuff, but I get to drop it at the door. It doesn't come home with me. And if you're independent, that's not the case. So for me, it was a no brainer that I just didn't want to do booth rent or independent. 
um, you know, so both have their pros and cons, but slowly but surely as the salon culture and dynamic is evolving, it's really becoming evident with today's economy that you, if you are commission based, you're not going to be making much. Yeah. So the, I want to make sure I understand and make sure we go through this. The two ways you can rent a space, mm-hmm. and on that, are you, you're paying you're paying a fee, right. basically, uh, and it's like a rental, right? right? You're renting. You rent that chair. And, and each individual salon is different from what they offer with their booth rental. Um, some will include, that means towels, that means color. I mean, really, they'll include everything. You just rent the space. Some is just some of that. Some is none of that. Um, so you may have a situation where you rent the booth space and you're still on the hook for all of your supplies. That's right. right? You, most, you almost always are on that. With booth rent, you are supplying for the most part. I'd say, on yeah, you're, you're going to have to get all your own stuff. Other than the typical salon stuff of like, oh, we offer your clients a drink or we do laundry, um, stuff okay. like that. But some, some, most of them, you're also having to do your own laundry. Not provide the towels, but do your own laundry. So, so and the other way is commission. So you're working in a salon, there's a salon owner, you're working there, you're an employee of that company. Correct. And they're paying you, it's like a sales job, right? You're, yep. you're getting paid and you said it's somewhere between, it's generally starts at 45 mm-hmm. and the industry standard 65%. Mm-hmm. Um, and the balance of that, that you don't get, goes to the salon over to owner to cover the okay. overhead. And sure. they probably, do they withhold taxes from, are you paid yeah. with paycheck and they withhold taxes from that right. and all of that? Okay. Um, and then the other thing is, uh, I guess you could, you could work, well, you said the other thing is to own your salon, right? Right. You could own a right. salon. Um, and then you're on the other end of that equation where you're, you know, having commission stylists. Exactly. Kind of commission so, or booth rent. Or booth rent, depending on how you do it. And sometimes it works both ways, even in a salon, There's right? Like sometimes your you're, yeah. you're there and, um, you can rent just the booth from the salon owner and right. do that. Okay. Um, so it's a really interesting thing. Your, your, so your pay is completely contingent on how many people you can see in a day. Absolutely. And so if you have anything comes up, uh, kid gets sick, yep. uh, you get sick, uh, family emergency, weather, anything. a pandemic, <laughs> <laughs> any of those things happen, right. you, you can't make money because right. you're... You're not you're not there. If yeah. you're not cutting hair and you're not styling hair and you're not coloring hair or doing the things you do, you don't make any money. Yep. Um, imagine I'm a, I'm gonna go through a series of things and I'm gonna take a couple of guesses and some things I know, but some things I don't. Probably not a wide. There's probably not PTO or no. any sick leave or anything like that no, in most places, not at right? All. Not at all. Um, you probably we talked a little bit about this before. Health insurance. No. In the industry pretty common that they that just don't yeah it's an industry that doesn't yeah. do you have any ideas on why this is that they i'm sitting here thinking and listening to you it it, it it kind of struck me that and there's a lot to me that feels like there's a lot of industries that began one way yeah. and the world has changed and we haven't actually adapted very well to That's that exactly it. Yep. And my feeling is you tell me if i'm wrong is that the the, the field of cosmetology and, and I would throw a couple others out there, like childcare is another one. For sure. We viewed these as like women-dominated industries, mm-hmm. 
and, and in that we viewed that these were women who didn't need benefits yep. like that because they were probably married and they probably were getting the benefits like that from their husband at his very good job. Yep, right Nail on the head. That's exactly, yeah. But the world's changed, right? right? And we now have, much like you, you're a, a, a single mother, mm -hmm. co-parents with your, with, yes. with uh, Titan's dad. That's right. Um, but you're independent, um, financially and you but but all your income is tied to your to your income that you make from hairdressing that's right right um but you don't have anywhere else to get those benefits right health insurance uh pay time off anything right. like that so if you do get sick or you get like deathly sick uh or you catch covid and you're like during the middle of all that and you have to be out for 10 days or whatever you're just out yeah no money absolutely how do you and you and I'm doing a little bit of math in my head, and I'm thinking five, six people a day. I'm thinking about the average price of haircuts. It, you're, you're probably not making much money to begin with. Um, it does just the math doesn't work. Even if you saw ten people a day, and your listeners can do this in their head, if you have ten people a day, and if your average is forty, fifty dollars, and you're getting fifty percent of that, mm -hmm. you're you're not making very much money every day. And then when you're sick, you're not making any money. Correct. How do you navigate that just financially? I like to say, and I say this with humor, but it, underneath there's a lot more. I say I'm good at being poor. Mm -hmm. um, you just learn, you yeah. know? Uh, you, you learn where to cut corners, what to do. Uh, you learn what bills to pay and whatnot. And when they'll kick you out and when they'll shut you off, you know? That's terrible, but that's just how I live my life. You have to... You know, I have to say, am I getting my kid new shoes or am I going to pay this doctor bill? You know, I'm getting my kid new shoes. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I want to talk about this a little bit because I think people that don't know or haven't been in that situation don't know. There, there is a whole calculus to this, right? Like yeah. when you're poor, you have to, you, you know, you mentioned it, you know which people will shut okay. you off right away. Absolutely. You know which people will come after you with collections, you know which people you can put off a little bit longer and maybe extend 30 days. And, right. and, and you're always, well, I want to hear your perspective, but I know that you're always kind of looking ahead and thinking, well, if I don't pay this now, I can do it here because I know this other thing is not going yep. to be a cost next month. Or maybe my kid's not in school this month. And so some of these expenses are going to be lower Correct. and you're always doing this kind of juggling act and it's exhausting right it takes a lot of mental energy to figure out how to make a little bit of money stretch out right right can i ask how much you make in a year typically uh, and if you if you don't want to answer that's fine but and i always like to reference i was doing really well before i had a kid you know this industry is not kind to mothers parents in general i shouldn't just say mothers there's men out there also that are you know rocking it in the industry but um I, at my best point in my career, and this also was in Denver, Colorado, much different than Kansas, but I was making it about like 60000 okay. uh, That was my best. Like, And I'd say even that was before I was reporting tips, so if on paper we ever look back at it, it was not that. Yeah. Um, but uh, now, as I've been back in Kansas, I've never, and I'm being totally honest, I've never broke over about 30000 a year. Okay. Um, and this last year was 12000 Yeah. So. And that was because the pandemic kind of affected, and there, there are a few industries, we talked about this a little bit too, there are a few industries that were affected more than the styling industry. Right. And there was also a few industries that drew such a visceral response from people 
that they couldn't see their stylist. That's right. And, and the irony, of course, in all of this is that um, we, we had people really upset, and one of the biggest things we heard about was that they couldn't get their hair done. Yep. Yet, it's an industry that we really don't support the people working in the industry very oh, we well. I saw people that make those laws really high up, you know, going into salons secretly, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, so it, to me that spoke volumes of how we're viewed. Yes, we feel wanted, we feel loved, that's great. But the backhand of that is you're not viewing us as a human just like you. Um, that I don't, I, I, I love and trust my clients, but I don't want to touch you for an hour while there's a disease, like I'm not- With I a pandemic going yeah, on. Yeah, like I don't, sorry, like yeah, your hair is important, but it's really not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's a thing too, right? Like it's, it, it, <laughs> I was thinking about this stylist. You have, you, you have somebody come in and you, there's few things that you're going to do that are more like in close contact. We talked about this, this exactly. intimacy of this, um, where you're, they may go all over. Who knows Absolutely. what they're doing, right? Every client you have, these 10 people a day that you might see, who knows what they're doing throughout the day? Mm -hmm. Who knows what they're doing or who they're seeing or how they're living their life and then they're going to come and you're literally six, eight, 10, 12 inches away from them for an hour right. sharing the same air. Um, well, sometimes they'll tell me what they've been doing. That's the real kicker too. Yeah. So, I just got back from Texas. I just got back from wherever. And I'm like, I love that for you. And I do love that for them. I really do. But I'm also sitting there thinking, you know, for half the service sometimes. Yeah. And you're wondering <laughs> so what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, but, but at the height of it, you it know, a lot of people terrifying. didn't know what was going on. We didn't know how bad it was. Yeah. We didn't know um, fully but, the, the you know, the transmission right. rate. We didn't know fully like what the long-term effects were. We still don't know some still, of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you have to think like, I, I have to, I might take this back to my That's son. That's right. I was, I was the wild card in all my, all of my, uh, I guess, social settings. Yeah. People would say that, well, I don't really want to see you because how many people did you touch today? Yeah. So yeah, it's it's hard. Yeah, that's that's very very tough. And so you made twelve thousand dollars last year, and that's partly because of, uh, well, probably less in this last year because of the pandemic, and more because of your ret return of your cancer. For sure. And we'll get into more of that later. But you you've had that health issue this year, and that's affected your ability to right. to make any money, right. uh, or make you make some money, but some. nothing substantial. <laughs> um, uh, one of the things I want to talk about too is uh, kind of the education and licensing and what you all have to do to stay current in the field and 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 you do have to get a license. Is it yearly? Yeah, uh, well, every two. Every two years. We renew every two years, um, and most states will make you take a little test with it, stuff like that. And I'm only saying most because I really truly don't know. I'm only licensed in Colorado and Kansas, so I okay. can't speak to this, but. Uh, yeah, and you have extended education, not necessarily to continue to be licensed. They threw that out the window a while ago, from what I understand. But, um, but as an industry, like most salons that employ you, will require extended education, which is great. Um, so yeah, we're required to do a certain amount. Um, I, to be totally honest, I don't know what we require at my salon because we just we just do it. You just do it. <laughs> so before you can become a, a stylist, I want to walk people through this. Mo you you go to some you go to a school mm -hmm. right you go you went to Aveda and like I said Hutch has a cosmetology school um, and I know that we have several throughout the state. Yeah. How long are those programs? How intensive are they? Um, how expensive are they? And I know that that runs the gambit. It I know does. it can it be really all does. over the place. Um, it's so it's about a year long schooling. 
um, depending on what kind of program you go through. That would be going full-time. It takes about a year. Um, and on average, I think now the cost for cosmetology school, I think is like to almost 30,000, something like that. When I, Aveda is of the topper, the, top the upper, top, the upper, sorry, uh, the upper. Uh, you did what I often do. I combine two words into one and time. try to yeah. be creative I'm with language. I'm just thankful that most of my friends know I speak gibberish. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, mine was even back in early 2000s was, I paid all together when it was all said and done, uh, about 27000 So, and that's for a year of school. I mean, which is now pretty common. Even back then, that was a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you, you start off, you learn the basics of it, the way that Aveda does it. Again, I can only speak to this. I've been to other beauty schools to view them and go for stuff. But um, they generally will give you, that you don't get to touch anyone until about 11 to 15 weeks in. Okay. And then, so they've told you all the stuff. They teach you all the stuff. Uh, you get... You even get anatomy classes, stuff like that. I mean, I don't think people understand what we really learn that I have to know. I mean, I've been able to tell clients they're pregnant before they know because their color takes funny or whatever because we have to learn the science behind that. Uh -huh. um, so, yeah, you go through extensive 11 weeks of, like, just the history of hair, how, all the stuff. And before you even get into cutting, mm -hmm. coloring, all that, you have to learn. Some what, of the baseline stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and then you spend the rest of the time practicing, um, doing a lot of ups, which is what you should do in school. So <laughs> yeah, so you do it there, so that by the time you get out, that's right. You're, you're that's good, what I always right? tell everybody starting out. I'm like, mess it up now so that you can learn. <laughs> yeah, and then so you do that, and you get out, and then and then you get this pay structure, right? Which isn't very. You know. And they, they tell you, that, well, of course they like to hype it in school, but they're also pretty honest about it. it depends on what path you take and where you end up, what salon you end up at, mm -hmm. um, kind of what your career might look like. So, yeah. So, so you do that and you get out and then, but then you have to pass a test to get licensed in whatever state, state you're practicing as a state board. Mm -hmm. um, and then every year you have to do some what, continuing education. What do those look like? Those are fun. Usually okay. I love continuing education. Um, well, and you choose, you can pick whatever you want, obviously, cause we all do different stuff. Um, a lot of times it'll be hair shows. So you go and get a lot of classes in like a three day period or whatever. And you go, and then we have a big fashion show and it's really just, I mean, it's playland for yeah. hairstylists. We're learning, we're getting to see stuff. We're doing our biggest, most avant-garde stuff sometimes, you know, um, it's where we really get to be us. So that I would say is like where most of us get our continued ed, but it's also little things here and they're like, I'll take, I, I'll take random friends barbering classes now online. That's what's really cool, you know, okay. now about this online stuff is I can say, oh, that's my friend John, and he's going to teach us how to do this, and I'm going to pay him $50. That's great, and I can do it online. So it, it's kind of a mixture. It depends on what you what you want to do, but I'd say most, I would, from what I know, most people go to, like, shows. Yeah. So. And, and is it designed to, like, expose you to new information new yes, techniques all of that. new technologies for sure um probably i'm guessing over the years are things that like most industries or most things that w we may have thought for a long period of time this is perfectly fine exactly. and then we find out like no this actually causes oh, terrible remember the problems. highlighting through the caps yeah uh -huh. and now we got foiled so yeah yeah i gotta be around for that transition you know? yeah. so yeah that's a that's a whole change that happens right. in the in the industry right. and that's what you get from continuing education that's right right and then every two years you have to renew your license and there's yes. application fees associated with that yes right yes. um and a bunch of rules that you have to understand and follow and all that right all of that, yeah. okay so so i'm thinking through this if i were to summarize the conversation we've had thus far mm -hmm. you 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 paid 
good amount for school. Um, you studied a topic for a year. You got into an industry that um, you're not making a lot of money in. Uh, you can't really make a lot of money in. You only make money when you're working and if you have anything that comes into your life that interferes with that, right. you're not making money. You have no insurance, no PTO, uh, no real you know, corporate benefits to speak of. Um, why do you keep doing it? Why, why, why would, I mean, there's a school of thought out there that says, um, and I, I, I want, I'm tempted to use my, my a voice here, but I'm going to resist. <laughs> <laughs> but there, there is a school of thought out there that says, well, by God, if you're not making enough money and you don't like the benefits package you get and you need to make more money and have more uh, paid time off and all of that, you can just quit your job and go get you some other job because... There's places hiring everywhere. Everybody's yeah. hiring. Yeah. <laughs> everywhere I go, that's the voice I was going to use. Everywhere yeah. I go, there's a sign in the uh -huh. window that says I'm hiring. You, you can make $15 an hour at McDonald's that's now. That's right. That's right. But, yeah. but why? 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 Not that... I want to be clear. I, this is one of my big points. I don't... <laughs> The idea that anyone else has the right to tell anyone else sure. what career they should or shouldn't choose right. is ridiculous to me, right? Like, I, I know we have a system that says you all feed into the funnel of, of the workforce grinder. Right. Um, and I, I think that's fine. But I also think, like, people, if they want to do something different, they should get to do that. Right. Um, but tell me why, I mean, considering all these things, considering you're not making huge amounts of money and you have to balance in uh, your time off with the fact that you're going to not make money because you're commissioned. Why, why have you been in this industry so long and why do you keep doing it? I mean, listening to you talk, I don't see any indication that you're going to leave. No. Okay. I always think it, you know, of course you always think, God, F this amount, but <laughs> yeah, I, I love what I do. And by that, I mean, what I do is I make people feel good. I give them somewhere safe to be themselves. Um, I just thoroughly, I genuinely love it. It brings me joy. When we were shut down during the pandemic, I, all of us, I think, agreed, yes, time off was nice. Yes, all that was wonderful. But we truly missed doing what we do. Not only do we get to create, we get to connect. And, um, and it's instant gratification. I mean, there's not a lot of jobs I think you can say, you know what, I, I did a whole transition, a transformation on someone today, and I feel really good about that, you know, and so do they. That's awesome. Um, I love that. There's nothing that compares to that. I've tried to do other things. I did floral briefly. I've, I mean, the little bit of architecture. I've done other stuff and tried it. And I always think about what else would I do and nothing else makes sense. And why would you not do something that you're good at mm -hmm. um, and that brings you joy? Just because to me, money is all, yes, it's necessary, unfortunately, but um, I want to go to my grave knowing that I did things that made me happy. And it makes me happy. The money is stressful, but money is not why I do what I do. Um, yeah. Which is crazy to say. I never thought I'd be one of those people. I love money. I love doing stuff, having things, all that. But what I love more is getting to leave work feeling satisfied. Yeah. So. You said something in there that's really striking to me, um, that, that you, there's a transformation, right? That you, and there is something very gratifying about that, right. that you, somebody comes in and they can just be a mess and, and whatever. And then by the time you're done with them, they're, they look different, right. completely different. Right. And you did that. Yeah. And they know that they recognize the client recognizes that and mm -hmm. says, 
oh my God. I mean, I know I've had that with Archbishop. I'm like, oh, look, right. this is amazing. Right. I came, I came in here and I look like I've, you know, been run through the ringer. Right. And now, now look at me. I know, I know. And, and there's a whole thing to that, right? And I've heard that stylists talk about like the difference that like a good haircut can make, right? Absolutely. And somebody's mood and attitude and outlook. It really can. I mean, we even get people, and I've seen it a handful of times where they'll come in and they've been so depressed and truly like bedridden depressed and they have rat's nests in their hair from it and things of that sort and they've let themselves completely go and you know we as a team will come together to pull them out of it at least physically I can't obviously help them the other ways but um, sometimes when you look at yourself and you see something different it encourages you to start on to be something different if that makes sense I guess it's that, that's how I view it um because i just know i personally like i can have a whole new hairstyle and i'm like man oh god i can i can take on the world you know like that's that's silly to say it's such a little thing but we all know it's not where like you you get your haircut and or you change you get a transformation your people are going to be talking about that when you see people that you hadn't seen every time you know mm -hmm. from there on out if that makes sense so then i'm part of that and that's cool well, we know that happens. What 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 happens every time somebody gets a haircut? They go to work, and right. everyone says, oh, "Hey, you got a haircut." You know, yeah. it's a whole thing all good. day. Yeah, you look good. That looks yeah. great. Um, no, that's really I I, you know, I kind of know it in one sense, but I never really thought about how much like you can help someone with that. I mean, I know I've felt that before, um, but it certainly. I mean, hearing you say it helps me understand why, despite some of the challenges, despite some of the things that you you have to deal with. Um, that you would just keep doing it because like you said if you can feeling good about what you do every day maybe doesn't make all the money right. but feeling good about your time and your existence here that's right that's good that's that's and very I get to, like I said I get to know people I mean and it's just yeah I don't know that's cool that's really cool I get I get to talk to people I'd never would have never encountered right years ago I had a client who was a he made mannequins he was working a mannequin but you know stuff like that just things you never think of that Sometimes people say, Katie, you know the most obscure things. And I say, it's because I get to talk to literally every walk of life. I mean, yeah. there's no discrimination. So I, I, it's amazing. It's awesome. Yeah. So you have just all these different people with different yeah. stories and different uh, the basis of knowledge that come right. in. And then you get to pick up parts of that right. along the way. Yeah. And I love that. I, I wouldn't. There are some days if, if bills and things, I would do it for free. I really, truly would. Um, that sounds insane. I cannot believe I say those words, but... I love it, and I love my clients, I love my people. So. I'm going to stop right there and take a break. I'd like to thank a few of the people who have helped make that podcast and Hutch possible. My son Mitchell Probst wrote and recorded the music for the show. Jenny Brigette put together some great graphics and promotional art. And Chris Acker helps overcome my mistakes to produce a great sounding product every episode. That podcast and Hutch is made possible through a collaboration between the Hutchison Arts and Culture Collective and Salt City Sound. They're working to bring resources and infrastructure to support art, music, and storytelling in our community. If you have an idea for your own podcast, reach out to them at podcasts at saltcitysound.net. If you enjoy that podcast and Hutch, be sure to subscribe and share it with all your friends. You can also help support this production by subscribing to thatguyandhutch.substack.com or by emailing me at thatguyandhutch at gmail.com to learn about sponsorship opportunities. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us again next week.
Assault City Sound production.